0: It's The Legal Toolkit with Jared Correa, with guest Bruce Richard, a round of course correction. And then, since we're always leading the way in podcasting technologies, behold, this episode presented in Technicolor. But first, your host, Jared Correa.
1: It's time for The Legal Toolkit, listeners. Tell your friends, your enemies, and even your frenemies. And yes, it's still called Legal Toolkit Podcast, even though I can't tell the difference between a flathead and a Phillips head screwdriver. Which one is the flat one again? I'm your host, Jared Correa. You're stuck with me because Conan O'Brien was unavailable. He told me he was too busy shaving his pubes. Yes, they're orange too, or so I've heard. I'm the CEO of Red Cave Law Firm Consulting, a business management consulting service for attorneys and bar associations. Find us online at redcavelegal.com. I'm the COO of Gideon Software Inc. We build chatbots so law firms can convert more leads and conversational document assembly tools so law firms can build documents faster and more accurately. You can find out more about Gideon at gideonlegal.com. Now, Before we get to our interview today with Bruce Richard, program attorney at MCLE New England, I've got something truly triumphant for you. Conan O'Brien is my favorite late night talk show host ever, and it's not particularly close. He got the late night gig on NBC in 1993, following David Letterman's departure to CBS for The Late Show, you know, when this stuff mattered. Along with Letterman, Conan's probably the only legitimately funny modern late-night host who was actually willing to push boundaries. Everybody else sells out and becomes boring, if they weren't already boring to start with. And it's funny, I guess kind of in the ironic sense, that both Letterman and O'Brien were shot out of the Tonight Show gig by Jay Leno, of all people. Perhaps the unfunniest person ever to grace late-night television. At least this side of Jimmy Fallon. Oh, wait, weird. He hosts The Tonight Show now, too. But I digress. Let's take it back to the Conan O'Brien show. Before hosting Late Night on NBC, Conan wrote for Saturday Night Live when it was funnier than it is now, but not as funny as it was in the 70s. And also, he wrote for The Simpsons when The Simpsons was funny. Remember that? Like seasons one through maybe 12? He wrote the monorail episode of The Simpsons, if you remember that one. That was a good one. But then he auditioned for the late-night host role and got it after initially being asked to be a producer. Big win for my guy. So I used to stay up late and watch TV with my dad because he was a night owl, and we watched a lot of late-night talk shows together. And I think I was 13 or 14 when Conan started hosting Late Night And it's difficult in the modern environment to effectively describe all the crazy shit that he did on that show. Nobody even watches cable television anymore. So it's a fading notion that people would try to get away with things on network TV, whatever that is, right? But Conan, along with his co-host, Andy Richter, who was also great, got away with a lot of whack stuff. In fact, when he took over Late Night Everybody fucking hated it. The executives, the critics, but I loved it as like a a teenager. And I got to tell you, I have a lot of favorite Conan O'Brien sketches. There was a masturbating bear who was literally just a bear wearing a diaper for some reason who'd come out, juggle his nuts for a few minutes and walk off the stage The best one of those was this episode when the masturbating bear was revealed to be none other than Jim Carrey. And you already know how I feel about Jim Carrey. In the year 2000, I bet that makes you feel old, was another skit that featured a series of wild predictions about the near future, completed with a darkened studio and flashlights to highlight faces in a spooky way. Clearly, um, no expense was spared. With all the critical acclaim, they must have been shoveling dollars into the show. I felt like Andy always got the best jokes in this sketch. One of the underrated Conan sketches from back in the day was driving the desk, where Conan would drive, Andy would be in shotgun, and they would use a green screen to pretend they were driving around New York City, and they struck down a lot of pedestrians with that desk. Pimp Bot 5000 was a robot pimp. I I don't know if that needs any further description. Conan and Andy would also have these staring contests during which ridiculous and vile things would happen behind Conan's back, causing Andy to break concentration and lose. He lost like every time. He only won the last one. And while I was putting this together, I learned that there's also a Wikipedia page of Conan O'Brien sketches that includes over 100 skits. You're welcome. Now, you may be saying to yourself, why don't you go shake your fist to the cloud, old man? The 90s are over. Sadly, you're right. But this shit is ripped from the headlines because Triumph, the insult comic dog, was arrested last week at the U.S. Capitol while trying to do some political interviews for Stephen Colbert's show. He's got a late night show, too. I think he hosts a late show now after David Letterman left. Anyway, you may be asking yourself, who is Triumph, the insult comic dog? Oh, he's just the canine Don Rickles. That's all. Triumph was originally a Conan sketch from Late Night. He's a cigar-smoking dog. Well, actually, pause. He's a, he's a hand puppet that looks like a dog. And appropriately enough, he insults people, animals, and things in an amusing way. He kind of sounds like an over-caffeinated Bella Lugosi, and I definitely can't do the voice. There aren't a lot of insult comics nowadays because everybody is so goddamn sensitive, but this was a thing back in the day when people were actually allowed to laugh at themselves. So Triumph was voiced by a guy named Robert Smeagle, who's also well-known for his work on Saturday Night Live, particularly on a segment called TV Funhouse. Now, if you've never seen TV Funhouse, this was an animated series of shorts, vignettes in an anthology framework that included some legitimately hilarious sketches. My favorite TV Funhouse was actually when Mr. T attempts to break into dramatic acting and tries out for Henrik Gibson's A Doll's House. When he's auditioning for the play, he tells the director, I want to be Torvald, sucker. Anyway, uh, Smeagol is Triumph, and he's best known for crashing popular events and insulting participants. So the first Triumph sketch featured him interviewing and humping a number of real dogs at the Westminster Kennel Club. Uh, before he got kicked out of that event. You see a theme here. So for a subsequent show, he came back to the Kennel Club, this time disguised as Ed Bradley, which was the puppet with the fake mustache. He also made fun of Star Wars nerds waiting in line for one of the prequel movies, and he claimed to have had anal sex with Lassie on Space Ghost, coast to coast. Plus, he does a lot of political coverage, hence the recent ejection from the Capitol for purported unlawful entry. I hope they got some of that film, though, because that sounds like a pretty dope sketch. Maybe not the best context for that type of stunt, but, hey, Triumph's always out there pushing buttons. Many of the Triumph sketches are also available in grainy footage on YouTube right now, so check those out. You won't be sorry. Well, you will be sorry, but that's kind of the point. Hey, I thought that was a really good monologue for me to poop on. Now, before we get to our discussion on continuing legal education for lawyers with Bruce, the Rocket Richard of MCLE New England, let's continue our ongoing education on law firm data with Joshua Lennon, who has you for
2: this week's edition of the Clio Legal Trends Report. Is your law firm falling behind in technology? There has been a mass adoption of legal tech among firms of all sizes. Today, at least 85% of legal professionals are using some form of practice management software. I'm Joshua Linnon, lawyer-in-residence at Clio, and this is just one finding from our recent Legal Trends report. Use of legal technology has dramatically altered client expectations. The need for more flexible, convenient methods of interaction is here to stay. So it's not surprising that at least 95% of law firms plan to continue using newly adopted legal technology beyond the pandemic. It's a clear indication that technology adoption has become the norm for firms of all sizes. To learn more about legal technology adoption, download Clio's Legal Trends Report for free at clio.com forward slash trends. That's Clio spelled C-L-I-O dot com forward (laughs) slash trends.
1: All right. Let's get into the Sam Lagrass's pastrami sandwich that is this podcast segment. It's time to interview our guest, and it's not often that I get to bring in Boston-related stuff on the show, but today, my guest is Bruce Richard, program attorney at MCLE New England, who works in Boston. Bruce, how you doing?
0: I'm doing well, Jared. How are you?
1: Good. Sam Lagrass's man. Is that still open down in Boston? You bet. That was one of my favorite places. It was like half pastrami and half brown sugar, if I remember correctly. They're sandwiches. Pretty close, pretty
0: close. I was there two weeks ago.
1: Obviously, because your last name is pronounced Richard, I mean, it seems only natural that you would have gone to law school in Manitoba province in Winnipeg. (laughs) I went to college in southern New Hampshire, and it was cold. But I got to ask you, how fucking cold did it get in Manitoba? And how much alcohol did you have to consume (laughs) just to stay warm?
0: All right. So uh, fucking cold doesn't even come close to describing (laughs) how cold how cold it was in Winnipeg. Um, We had uh, my personal favorite memory involving cold weather in Manitoba is I was listening to the radio as I was about to walk out of my apartment and the announcer was doing the forecast and he said that it was minus 50. Oh my God. But with the windshield, it was minus 76. I'm like, what is, those aren't numbers. Those are not numbers. I stood outside in the little... uh, in one of their little bus stations, protected from the you know, twenty degrees worth of wind chill, watching as my my pants we were freezing to my leg, and thinking to myself, <laughs> yeah, I chose to come here to go to law school. Yeah,
1: yeah. seems like an odd choice, but that is, that is cold, man. That is really cold.
0: Really cold.
1: All these people from San Diego are like morons. Anyway. <laughs> I think we should probably talk about like some legal stuff because uh, we have sponsors to please and we just All can't right. talk about cold weather for 20 minutes. Although I, we probably could. Let's talk about the CLE stuff. Cause that's sure. what we're doing now. You work for MCLE New England, yeah. which I've had a long affiliation with personally presented for you folks a bunch and you do a great job. What do you think about where we're at right now? Because for a while it was only online presentations before that it was mostly in-person presentations now you got both options, and I've seen people doing hybrid programs. Like, what do you think is the best fit now, or are you, like, thrilled that you have, like, a ton of different options to deliver content
0: to people? Um, I, I'm always happy with the different options. Now, I guess MCLE has always been fairly cutting edge when it comes to how to present. So uh, yeah. even long before COVID, we were doing in-person programs, and they were being recorded live. So we had a live audience watching online. So, you know, you'd get 20 people in the room, You've got another 25 or 30 watching. So, you know, that was a, a pretty much a standard uh, setup for us. Um, yeah. And then COVID hits and we went completely online. And now we're starting to come back to where we've got a mix. We're not there yet. I know that our, our fall programs, are gonna, we're going to see a lot more in-person with an online option in the fall. But uh,
1: You think um, the hesitation is kind of going away for people? Because I know a lot of people are hesitant to do online or in person, rather, programming for a while. You think that's going to be done with mostly
0: by the time the fall rolls around? It's tough to say because I think that uh, what we were seeing even before COVID, the trend was definitely more and more online. Whether oh, that's interesting, you know, irrelevant yeah. of the chance of catching COVID, people just didn't want to come in. Mm. If you're practicing in in Western Mass or outside of the state, it just made sense to just you know fire it up and watch online as yeah, opposed that's interesting. to being there in person. We were trending that way. So, you know, we'll get a better sense in the fall as to whether or not that trend continues. But uh,
1: yeah, it's um, hard to know. I talk to people about this a lot. And, um, you know, I think the thing about COVID that people didn't recognize was that a lot of the stuff that happened was going to happen anyway. It was just accelerated because we're heavily in the convenience yeah. economy right now where people don't want to leave the house. I mean, my God, how much have I spent on Grubhub this year? It's embarrassing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, so if, I can't, if we can't get people to go out and pick up food, um, right, you know, right. getting them They're to, getting go them out and to show to up here for three hours for a CLE program may be a little difficult.
1: <laughs> Do you think there's a chance, because I've heard people talking about this too, that there's going to be a rush back to in-person because people are missing seeing each other and having kind of like that human component? I think this
0: rush back to in-person I think that works if you're if if the CLE provider is you know does a big push for that first program and has something that's yeah. fairly open that has a that has a significant you know interactive experience then I think you see that but I don't know I'm hopeful I guess uh, we will find uh, out Do yes. you want
1: people in the building or do you not care like as long as they they're attending in some fashion
0: It completely depends on the program. There's a there's a mm. lot of our programs are are very easy to consume remotely. You know, yeah. you can, can watch the speakers and you can ask them questions. You can do some level of interaction with them. And I think that right. works for a lot of our programs. Other programs, I mean, you know, we do mock trials or, you know, that sort of thing. And that is awfully tough to do on Zoom. We, we did it last year, but I will say that, you know, there is a certain benefit to being in the same room with everybody and being able to uh, and get that level of interaction. And yeah, that's a, that kind of setup.
1: One of the other things about CLE programming that I think is interesting is like a lot of people don't know that there are some states that don't have mandatory CLE, and Massachusetts is one of those states. So, in that instance, like how much more difficult is it for you to get people to come and attend programs if their license
0: isn't on the line to do it? It's funny (laughs) because if you talk to anybody in Massachusetts who isn't an attorney, they're shocked to find out that. Attorneys are not required to take CLE in, yeah. in, in Massachusetts. There's only,
1: am I right in saying there's only six states left that don't require? Yeah, I CLE? believe so. Yeah.
0: It's just there's only six of us left, and it's like Massachusetts, really? Massachusetts? <laughs> but yes. Um, People are a little bit less confident than their lawyers when they hear that. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to. Uh, I mean, for us, it works well for us. For me personally, oh, interesting. Yeah. Well, for me personally, it means attendance at a program means. Wow, we found something that people are genuinely interested in. This isn't a case of it's like, oh, look, we have 55 people at the, attending this program. Hmm, we must be getting close to that that time of year when oh, right. uh, when <laughs> right. everybody, everybody needs to, to send get the their CLE credits. <laughs> uh, so everybody who's there is there because you know because of the speakers, because they like the content, because you know they want to be there. Where I, I am far less worried about uh, attendees at our programs simply tuning in and then trying to run it in the background while doing something else. Because, right. that,
1: yeah. That's a super positive spin you know, that I was not expecting. Let, yeah. Let's talk about that because I think that's an interesting piece of this as well, especially with the online programs. Right. Like i bet a lot of people are out there like getting onto Facebook, twirling their pen, maybe catching up on their sleep. Like how <laughs> do you get somebody to get something out of a CLE program so that they're not bored? I do a lot of these. I know everybody's not paying attention to me. I guarantee you've had people fall asleep during my presentations before. (laughs) So how do you
0: combat that? A certain certain amount of it is going to be interactivity. If you you can engage with your audience, then you're forcing at least some of the audience members to reply back. And honestly, they're going to get more out of it when they do. Um, I look at the number of programs that we run where I look at, you know, I'll look at the questions afterwards and I'll think to myself, you know, this is you know, a program for family lawyers. We had three judges on the program, and you had an hour to ask them any question <laughs> under the sun. And two people I, asked a question. Thinking to myself, there. what you know, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> this is your opportunity. You know, I, I wouldn't even expect the chairs to have to really say anything more than, look, judges, go. And they just yeah. don't, at least sometimes they don't interact. But yeah. Interaction is probably the easiest way to you know, to make sure the audience is paying attention. And I will say for you know, anyone who is taking one of our programs for CLE purposes, you definitely want to click the button that asks you if you want prompts, because you're going to need those prompts for any other, virtually any state that requires CLE is going to require us to show that, that you clicked prompts throughout the program. So you weren't oh, just running it in the background while you were doing other work.
1: Yeah, can you talk a little bit about that? Because I think that's super interesting. So you don't have to require those because you're in Massachusetts, right? But what are some of these states requiring in terms of prompts? Like, do you have to answer a question? Do you have to take a poll? Like, what does that look like?
0: Well, I mean, for us, we send all of our programs through, like, virtually every state either says you have to, uh, you know, agree to our our requirements or you have to be uh, qualified in another state. So for the most part, it's easy because, you know, another CLE provider in another state just simply gets qualified according to the state's requirements, and then they're all set. And for us, it's a little more tricky because there are no state requirements because there is no CLE body here because right. we don't have one. So we submit all of our programs to Rhode Island, uh, and they approve our programs. So that way, when people who are looking to get credit in New York or California or wherever, we send them their, our certificate. And that our program has been confirmed through by Rhode Island. And that's usually enough to resolve most of, the, uh, most of the questions those states have.
1: CLE is such a tangled web, and people don't even realize it. Bad news for those who wanted to catch up on their sleep, though, while watching a program. There are now prompts, apparently, that you have to watch. Um, let's, let's take another direction <laughs> on this. Sure. We've been talking a lot about people who are attending programs. How about people who are speakers? It would seem to me to be obvious from a referral networking standpoint as to why attorneys would want to get gigs either hosting or presenting at CLE programs. But what are some of the benefits that you see for attorneys, both the obvious ones and some non-obvious ones?
0: Well, the obvious one is is the one you've just described. I mean, it's an easy way to network. Um, it's you know, something else to post on the website and in your bio that you you are deemed to be an expert in this field so much so that you have actually taught a course on it. Some of the other parts, and I've heard this from a, lot of the, from a number of the speakers, are the information that you'll get from the other speakers in the program. I mean, usually these programs involve several speakers. So if you stay on, you know, if you're, if you're listening while they're, while they're doing their talk, you're gaining their, their, their experience. And one of the real benefits of being one of the speakers is there's nobody there to shut you up. So if the other person <laughs> is in the middle of their presentation and, you, and they say something and you have a question, You just wait a second. So how does this work? If I do this and this, then what happens there? And then they answer and they engage. And honestly, that kind of engagement makes the program better. So uh, I certainly, you know, I never discourage that, and I always want to see that come out. And I guess the other part is just it's the uh, there's also the networking aspect. I mean, if the program is live, I look at it and you know, audience members who are there are would be crazy not to come up and chat with somebody about whatever the topic or where they work, how long they've been practicing, what is it like? I just ask them anything, Yeah, pick up a conversation. This is, this is one of the benefits of the in-person program is that you can do that. It's a little tougher to do that when they're, when everything's remote, but, um, I mean, you can still, you can still make it work. So, yeah.
1: So last question I have for you, we'll take on another segment after this is, do you have trouble finding speakers ever? Are you always just like, okay, I'm plucking out these people? Or do you try to reach out and find people who are not necessarily involved? Do you look for people to reach out to you directly? So what I'm really saying is here's your chance to say, email
0: me if you want to speak. But maybe you don't want that. I don't know. Email (laughs) me if you want to speak. Uh, Okay, great. (laughs) I do have a number of regulars, obviously, that people who consistently do, you know, we repeat the same program over, you know, each year, every couple of years. And I reach out to a lot of the same people for that sort of thing. We're always looking for more. I'm always happy to, to hear from folks who, who want to do a program. The best ones are the ones who want to do a program and then email me with a topic that they want to talk about, because then you're just doing my job for me. And I'm all <laughs> about that.
1: Right. Topic and a description, right? You want a paragraph, write it all out for you.
0: ideally yes if you could get me a couple of paragraphs that would fit nicely in the brochure we'll need a headshot we'll get your email have a little conversation and yeah we can take it from there
1: nice all right so so you heard it here (laughs) hopefully your email doesn't get too flooded but uh i tell this to people all the time like there are a lot of opportunities out there you just have to ask bruce this was really fun will you come back for the last segment
0: you bet that's why i'm here for the last segment yes
1: excellent all (laughs) right we'll take one final sponsor break so you can hear more about what our sponsors can do for your law practice then stay tuned for the rump roast it's even more supple than the roast beast partner with rankings.io the marketing agency for law firms that want results not excuses With flat rates for Google ads, a track record ranking attorneys for the most competitive terms on Google, and a team always easy to reach by phone, even during off hours, Rankings.io is the agency of choice for firms that want the rankings, traffic, and cases other law firm marketing agencies just can't deliver. Visit Rankings.io for a free consultation and start seeing your firm grow. Simplify. With Cosmolex, the only fully integrated practice management solution. Everything you need, accessible anywhere. Trust and general accounting is built in, so you don't need QuickBooks. Cosmolex's Money Finder reminds you to bill for work you put into client matters, so you don't leak money. That's messy. Lower cost, better business, and less frustration. Yes, please. It's all built in with Cosmolex. Free trial and... Take 20% off your first year at Cosmolex.com. Contract automation isn't a trend. It's a strategic imperative. Though big players in the e-sign world will make you believe implementing it will cost you big bucks and more than a few headaches, it doesn't have to be that way. DocuB is an easy-to-onboard full suite of products and includes the e-signature, brilliant workflow capabilities and AI contract automation at nearly half the price of those out-of-touch behemoths. The one thing DocuBee doesn't automate? Their customer service. Visit get.docubee.com slash contracts to set up a call with a real live person. DocuBee will be with you every step of the way. Welcome to the rear end of the legal toolkit, the rump roast, It's a grab bag of short form topics, all of my choosing. Why do I get to pick? Because I'm the host. Today, we're going to talk about CLE, Bruce, your area of expertise. So, this should be easy for you. Uh We're going to play a little game I invented called Course Correction. So, what we're going to do is I'm going to read to you the description of an online course, and I want you to tell me if it's real. Or if I've made it up. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you were just asking. You wanted people to submit course ideas to you. Well, <laughs> here I am, my friend. <laughs> and feel free I've to comment on any of these as well. <laughs> Everybody's set up on these programs. Don't worry. Okay. Number one. I'm going to start out with what I think is an easy one. You can tell me if you you'd agree or disagree. Star Trek. Inspiring culture... And technology. Is that a real online course that you can purchase?
0: Yes. Oh, yes. Absolutely. That, that's got to be.
1: Absolutely. Yes. From edX, uh, 21 hours of <laughs> Star Trek stuff. I don't know, man. As a self-guided course, I might be tapping out. Do you think you could do 21 hours on Star Trek? I, I probably could not.
0: I just finished the, the most recent season of Picard. And I think that was, I, I was getting ready to tap out as it was. So at uh, 21 hours, I don't know.
1: You ready for number 2?
0: I'm ready for number 2.
1: No more pop culture touchstones. Oh. Number 2. The course name is Challenges in Modern Butt Chugging. Real course or nah?
0: <laughs> I I think my my biggest question is modern? <laughs> what was, was Challenges in Early old early an early <laughs> early civilization butt chugging? I, I was how, thinking, more how long along has the lines society like, been aware of this, and, and what kind of implements <laughs> were involved early on? But you've
1: never seen those like French cave paintings.
0: <laughs> no, I'm thinking more along
1: the lines of like 2018 rather than like medieval times. <laughs>
0: um, oh boy, online sure. courses, you know what? man, anything yeah, could go. Right, anything. anything. Could go. I could, I could, I could see this taking an hour, two hours. Sure. <laughs>
1: I don't know how deeply we want to dive into this. But I don't that want to d- do a deep dive on any of this. You're like, I don't want to do any of this. That is fake. I made oh, that up. Okay. I think like if I'm the only one who's thinking there's like degrees of butt chugging, maybe there should be a course on this because clearly there's some kind of art available here as well. All right. Number three. Number three. What to text a girl you like. Is that a real online course? Is there enough information that could be imparted in a course like that?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, you know, I decided that there was two hours worth of material in butt chugging. So I've got to assume <laughs> that there's got to be at least enough, that much information available for uh, All right, sir. for this one. So I'm going to say yes.
1: You're correct. This is an actual online course. Although, sadly, it's been discontinued. So you're on your own. <laughs> I could totally see this being a case like teenagers. They probably spend multiple hours over what to text someone or what to Snapchat someone or whatever the kids are doing these days. All right. Got another one for you. We're halfway through here. All right. Modern scrimshaw techniques, colon, whales are people too. Is there a real online course? No. It is no. not. All right, you're, you're, you're on fire now. That's two in a row. I just happen to be from New Bedford, Massachusetts, the whaling <laughs> city. So I'm often thinking about Scrimshaw. All right, <laughs> uh, course number five, communicate with your animal telepathically. Is that a real course?
0: Oh, yes. Yes. Yes, definitely. Yes.
1: Do you want to take a guess as to what rating this course has out of five stars? 90 ratings in.
0: Oh, probably
1: five. Oh, good guess. But it is 3.5. Oh, so
0: which is they're not just doing crazy well. to me.
1: Well, <laughs> I guess, like, yeah, they're not doing well on an internet basis, but like the fact that people, there are some people out there who are giving low ratings who are probably like, this doesn't work. You should probably know that coming into the class. But it's only like 17 <laughs> bucks. So for the pure pleasure of watching something like this go down, that, that might be worth it. All right, three more for you. All right. You said yes. So you've got, you're got you working on four in a row now. This is a real heater on the Rump Roast. Next course, discover the mystery of fairy witchcraft, shamanism today. And fairy, I just want you to know, is spelled F-A-E-R-Y in the Edmund Spencer vein. So this is old school. What do you think? Hmm. Is that a real course?
0: It sounds good. Sure. Yes. Yes. I'm going to go with that one. Why not?
1: Five in a row. That oh, is actually man. a course. This is another one from you. So it's $20 today, but apparently it's usually $1,000. It's a pretty deep discount. <laughs>
0: wow.
1: <laughs> 4.5 4. rating. 4.5 rating. Well, if All you're right. going to
0: pay 1000 bucks for it, you better give it a five-star rating.
1: You might as well. Yeah. All right. I got two more for you. Let's see if you can go seven for seven at the end here. Martins, Fishers, and Lesser Wolverines... Which has been raiding your trash? Is that a real online course?
0: No, that's not a real online course. It's not. Yes.
1: <laughs> I have to say, I've had a fisher cat in my neighborhood lately. Have yep. you ever seen one of those things? I have not. Probably in Canada, right? No? No. Uh, these things are, they're like tinier versions of wolverines. And they scream like, like little children screaming. They're horrifying animals. Horrifying. <laughs> and they eat dogs. It's crazy. All right, that's enough That's enough Fisher Cat stories. I don't think we're going to hold the audience with that. So one more (laughs) online course. Let's see if you can close it out with seven in a row. Calling Bullshit in the Age of Big Data. Is that a real online course?
0: That definitely sounds like a real online course.
1: Yeah, you are a CLE expert. You're correct, sir. There's a website called callingbullshit.org. Apparently, it's a nonprofit. There's not only a course, there's tools there's books, there's workshops, and now I feel bad for promoting this craziness. So, <laughs> not bad, sir. You survived the rump roast. I would say not only survived, but thrived with flying colors. Well done.
0: I, uh, what can I say? I know my rump roast.
1: Think of all those cold days in Manitoba. It was all worth it. Uh, Bruce, thanks for coming on. You
0: are awesome. Oh, thanks so much, Jared.
1: If you want to find out more about Bruce Richard and MCLE New England, visit mcle.org. M is in Mary. C is in Cliff. L is in Llewellyn. E is in Edgar.org. MCLE.org. Now, for those of you listening in Balerica, Massachusetts, I've got a new Spotify playlist just for you, and it's all about learning. But you won't get any CLE credit for it. We hope you've enjoyed the vibrant technicolor in which this episode was delivered. We believe it's an impressive artistic achievement, and I'm preparing my Oscar speech at the moment which will clearly put me on the path to an EGOT. So that'll do it for another episode of the Legal Toolkit Podcast. This is Jared Korea, reminding you that the last letter added to the English alphabet was J in 1524. Before that, people used I for J. Uh, correction, this is Jared Korea signing off. Let's take this bitch back to 1523.